Welcome into episode 36 of the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes. And we have another great interview for you this week. I'll get to that momentarily. Wanted to thank you for your support of House of L. We're actually closing in now on 150,000 downloads. I I haven't checked whether or not there's even stream statistics because last I checked, Libsyn doesn't really offer them. But the fact that there have been almost 150,000 downloads in the first six months of this podcast are beyond my wildest expectations for the podcast. I was thinking that we'd do 100,000 before the year was up and I'd be super happy. We're really happy. And now it looks like we'll we might even get to 175. Maybe. We got an outside shot depending on how the Bears do. I am happy that the Bears podcast are pushing people back to other episodes, which is great. It's really interesting because I was looking like there's some episodes where I'm like, man, more people need to listen to this. Like more people needed to listen to the Lourdes episode than did initially. And then after the Bears game, I noticed a spike in that episode, which is good because that episode is really good and I wanted you to hear it. So I'm glad that more people are going back and listening to older interviews and it, it makes me wonder, like, after bear season, do I go back to just doing one once every two weeks? Do I keep going with every week? I, I'm not sure. I haven't really decided yet. I'm also a little bit on the fence about what to do for next week. It's a holiday week, so it might mean that more people are in the car. They might have more time to sit and listen to an interview. But I also feel like there's going to be, since the game is Sunday night, the Bears pod will drop late Sunday night, early Monday morning. Then there's another game on Thursday. And then to to put three pods in one week, then that's asking a lot of you. I mean, I know that you're interested in the Bears stuff. I just don't want an interview to get caught in between. So what I'm thinking about doing is running a classic interview that most people have not heard. It was a really good long form interview that I did on the score that I'll never use on the score again. And Mitch and I had a conversation about some of those. And there's a couple that I really liked that I wanted to make for the pod. So I think I might use one of them for Thanksgiving week. We'll see. We'll we'll see about that. But I think that's, that's where I'm leaning as it stands right now. By the way, the Bears podcast are brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. I'm really loving the relationship I've built with the Wolves. I was laughing this week because adult film actress Phoenix Marie was at the Wolves game. She was in Chicago. I guess there was some sort of expo. And she was um, she was tweeting and Instagramming about being at the Wolves game. And I told the Wolves, I was like, hey, you guys got to start your game. And they're like, who? <laughs> and I wasn't sure if I should mention that in the Bears podcast. But some of you, when I talked about it on air, some of you got it. So shout out to the Wolves. They're bringing the stars in the games. 
show up, you might run into a Phoenix Marie. How about that? Big Las Vegas Knights fan. She was in Chicago. The Wolves are the minor league team for the Knights. You get how it works. Any hoozle. We'll have an email section, as we always do, after the interview. This week's interview is Jordan Cornette. He's, I'm so happy for him. Jordan and I, so that you know some of the backstory, Jordan and I worked together over at 120 Sports, which is now Stadium. In fact, the two of us worked there with Shea Pepler. Shea Pepler is now one of the sports anchors over at Fox 32. Her and Jordan are engaged. So when you hear him talking about his fiance, that's who he's talking about if it's not made clear early on. So I got the opportunity to see, like, the evolution of that relationship. And now Shay has moved on to get a great gig over at Fox 32. And Jordan's doing all sorts of stuff. He is working with Cap over at Cap, Cap and Company over at 1000. He is doing the jam over at WCIU. Here's the funny thing about this episode. You're going to find out the small role that I played in both of those things happening. How about that for a tease? Yeah. There were some dominoes that fell, and because of it, Jordan ended up at the jam and on cap show. He'll explain. And maybe I'll explain more after the interview is done. The great thing about this interview is that Jordan gave of himself. And it's weird because in certain situations, you don't want to push too far too fast. A couple years ago, his brother, Joey, who was a great basketball player at Butler, passed away. And it was terribly sad. You know, we were working together when this happened. It was terribly sad. And I I know that I wanted to, to talk about it. What surprised me in talking about it with Jordan on this pod is how well he detailed grief. How well he detailed what it's like to lose someone that you love. And in the case of his brother, someone that he admired. What's it like to lose a hero? So we talked about that. It is emotional. I'm, I'm warning you now that it is an emotional conversation. It's also a fun conversation and a serious one at times, too, where we talk about issues of representation. We talk about the importance of being yourself no matter what other people think. I knew Jordan would be a great guest. I didn't know it would turn out this great. I'm really happy for you to hear this. Episode 36, Jordan Cornette. Damn, man, we're ahead of the curve here. We are, we are doing big things here, which is great. <clears throat> I don't want to... I, it's funny. I, I hated turning on the recording because I don't want to stop the conversation that we're actually <laughs> yeah. that we're actually having right now. Why don't we let's go back? Let's let's talk about the wedding. Are you nervous? Yeah, that's it, nervous. I'll tell you, I'm not nervous because you know it's 2018, man. Like people don't do it the way that 
traditionalist did. Like I've been living with her for a couple of years now. That being Shay Pepler, my lovely fiance. And I, you know what's funny is I've kind of turned into Pete Davidson. You know what I mean? Like I'm like that dude where people are like, she's beautiful, she's talented, she's so cool. I'd love to be with her. She's with who? <laughs> Why is she with that guy? Yeah, what's going on here? So, uh, no, I'm blessed. We have a great life. I'm really happy. June 1 is the date. And, yeah, I, I'm a little nervous for certain things, not to spend my life with her. Like, I know. I'm confident on that front. Lawrence, it's like the first dance. Like, the, the stuff that you see at weddings, I'm like, that seems uncomfortable. That's going to be me. Like, the whole day being about – it's obviously about her – but the spotlight being on two of us for a whole day, that does make me uncomfortable. It's a, I'm not excited about that part. It's a bit of a blur. I can just tell that you. That too. Like, I don't I don't like social circumstances where I'm saying hi. To, it's a revolving door of hellos and you can't invest in a conversation. And you, like everyone tells me, it's like, it goes by. It's a bunch of hellos, how are yous, and the night's over. Yeah, and then you, you end up and you go, what just happened? And you're reliving it. The great thing is that you have the instant nostalgia now of people sharing, like, as they're at the ceremony. <laughs> the hashtags. Right. Yeah. And, and the hashtag for, have you guys figured out your hashtag yet? No, but you know what's crazy? Gosh, it's like I'm talking to Shay. She's already asking about a hashtag. I'm like, babe, we got several months <laughs> She wants to establish the hashtag to get people thinking, the stream of consciousness going. Okay. Well, I mean, she's definitely someone who likes to plan. Yes. So so that's good. Yeah. And I'm just telling you, like I, like I was saying before, there's going to be a part where you zen out, where you just don't care anymore. I'm looking forward to that time, Lawrence. <laughs> All the plans are going to be made, and you're just going to say, okay, whatever happens, happens. I remember, for me, it was... My DJ called and said, hey, the property doesn't have a table that I, I need to bring the turntables in. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and right? he goes. Miss me with that, bro. And he goes, I'll figure it out. <laughs> He's like, don't worry. I was like, all right. Yeah, at least he read the, he read the cues. He realized, and, and he did it, and, and he's great. Uh, it's Jay Illa, who's the Jay Bears Illa's DJ. my guy. He is. He's yeah. so dope, and I love him. Like, he's the best, and. I he I told him I was like look Oh blue eyes I call him. Exactly. Yeah. Like we're we're having this party and it's gonna go on for a while. Just so you know. And then he then he realized he was gonna be DJing for five straight hours. <laughs> I broke him off. I, I broke <laughs> him took off. Care of him. I took really good care of him before <laughs> before I left out, man. I, I'm so happy for both you and Shay. Thank I mean, you. Being I, I know you both, I've worked with you both. You guys are so happy right now. Yeah, it's a cool time. It, it's cool, too, that because she's in the business and you're in the business, that you each have an understanding of the demands of the other one's True. career. True. And we're both, you know, Lawrence, I appreciate you, your kindness and sincerity uh, wishing me, you know, happiness and all that. But it, it's true. You've been in different capacities known Shay the person, Jordan the person, but us as a couple, too. So you've got a unique perspective on it. Um, but another unique side to it is we're both trying to rise in this business at the same time. We've both achieved our, our best success thus far together. And that's been a fun part of this whole thing, too, is it's really been an adventure and a journey like, you know, marriage and, and relationship is. Um, but we've been, you know, we've been parallel in our in our climb together. So we've been able to enjoy that. And we've been lucky. I mean, we've been lucky because you know how this business is where one of us could get plucked and have to leave this city at any mm -hmm. moment. 
we've been able to make it work in Chicago. That's the big leagues. And so we've been really excited about that. We continue to cross our fingers, but we recognize that we're blessed right now, and we're just trying to ride that high. We really are. When did you know that this was something that you wanted to do? Because obviously you had aspirations of, of playing ball. So yeah. so when did you say, okay, that dream's over. Yeah. I'm going to focus in on a new dream. That's a great question, Lawrence. For me, there's a funny story with it. And outside of that, I'll add a little bit more substance. But when I was playing, uh, it was my junior year. And no, it was my senior year, actually. And we were playing... This was 2003, so Carmelo would have been – no, I was a junior. Carmelo would have been his freshman year. And we had come in, Syracuse had come to Notre Dame, and Carmelo lit me up for a cool 30-something in that game. I uh, I dropped two points. So you nice. Call those, you call those peints <laughs> at that point. Uh, had a couple fouls, and uh, it was, a, it was a, one of those forgettable games that a lot of people, when they find themselves the opposition – uh, going against Carmelo, are at. And so the game goes down. We lose the game. It's a Saturday night. So the guys, you know, we don't go out and party after a loss. You know, you, you're you're down. You're upset. But you still have a little bit of booze, right? So we we, we hung out at one of the guys' houses that night, and you know, drink your sorrows away, and you wake up the next day, which I don't advise anybody to do. As a college kid, that's what I did. I got a call from Coach Bray, uh, his assistant, the secretary, said, Coach, I'd like to see you before practice Sunday morning. It's like getting called at principal's office. I'm like, okay, so what's this about? Coach is like, come in, sit down. I was like, well, I didn't get in trouble with the law last night. I didn't done anything wrong. I played bad, but what else is new? And so I sit down, and he goes, Jordan, if you could play the game at the level of how you pontificate about the game afterwards in your postgame comments, you'd be an All-American. So maybe you should consider doing that for a living too when this whole basketball thing's over. And he said it in jest because that's who Coach Bray was. He liked to bust you up a little bit. But a light flickered off. And I was like, yeah, I've kind of flirted with doing that. That is what I want to do. That's where my passion's at. And Lawrence, when I was playing, you know, in the postgame comments and the camera guys and the interviews you do in the locker room, I was the one asking questions when they were done and the lights went off. I'd say, so how quick do you turn that around? What's a package? How do you get this on the tape and I see it on TV? I was always inquisitive because I always had an interest in that. I was an English major in college, so I was able to develop the writing skill. And when the time came and the season was over my senior year, we were one of the last teams left out of the tournament. I was frustrated. I was disillusioned with the game that I love so much. And at that point, I, I realized I was more than just a guy to be measured on a shooting percentage, which was low, <laughs> wins and losses. And uh, I wanted to do something else with my life. I, basketball was a vehicle that opened doors for me, got me to a university that I don't know necessarily if I would have got into without athletics, um, although I did do well academically. But I was able to go to Notre Dame, and basketball was a vehicle to open doors. I used basketball like they're using those basketball players, and I was able to do that and open some doors for myself. And at that point when it became, hey, you've got a contract to go overseas or you can try and get into this TV thing early, I looked at it where – It'd be a great experience, but I don't love it enough to give my best self to it. Mm. And I'd rather pursue this thing that I'm passionate about. And it was TV, and I also thought, hey, these guys that I look across at that are way better than me, they're going to go play for 10-something years. I'm going to get a head start on them in this business, learn it, master it. And by the time they come out, their name, is that going to rival enough for them to trump me because I've gotten so good at this thing? So I really try to sharpen the skill over these past you know, now 13, 14 years. And I'm really confident uh, in the decision I made. Where were you looking to maybe play? Uh, Paris was the place. Oh. How about that? You passed that up. How about that? Uh, I did. 
I just I was really one of those guys, and and my teammates could have predicted that. Where I came to the end of my rope with basketball, and I was smart enough. I I do think there's a high level of immaturity immaturity to me at that point. But the most mature decision I made at that point was to understand I wasn't gonna do the game the service it deserved. Mm. I wasn't gonna do my life the service that it deserved. I was going to go over there just to continue to do it, but that would have been living my dad's dream, my mom's dream, my brother's dreams, my friend's dreams, uh, but it wasn't who I was. I loved this side of it. I wanted to be the one to tell the story. Now, whether it was writing for somebody who did it, whether it was producing it, my background was unique, Lawrence, and I was a production assistant. I was a associate producer. I was, you know, I tried my hand at line producing, struggled mightily. Oh. Realize, wow, realizing there's guys in this business uh, that I look up to dearly over Big Ten Network, guys like Mark Carmen and Bill Friedman and Paul Irvin. Um, Paul Irvin since gone on and is with ESPN. Um, fam, you brother, great dude. And uh, they saw me struggle in the live producer thing, and they're like, it's time for you to chase that dream of getting in front of the camera. That was back in 2014, and it was the best decision I made because I was sitting there saying, I shouldn't be, I can do this. I can. Well, if you can go do it, Jordan, go do it. You know, put your money where your mouth is. Talk, if you're going to talk that talk, go ahead and walk it. I hired an agent, and, and I climbed pretty fast. I started with Campus Insiders, got a great opportunity there, and from there it ballooned into CBS Sports, uh, ballooned into radio with ESPN 1000, and, and now I'm sitting here doing the morning show, The Jam, and uh, embarking on a, a new career with ESPN, doing TV, and ra- uh, doing TV and studio stuff with them this basketball season. The whole thing is incredible. I – I, I want to talk about that, but you posted something a few it was a couple of weeks ago that it uh oh I <laughs> look I I understood how good of a basketball player you were, and you don't give yourself enough credit for your career at Notre <laughs> Dame. You're a very good player at Notre Dame, but I I remember you as a high schooler. I didn't remember that you were on the list with LeBron James. Oh yeah. So so yeah. so there was a scouting was it a scouting guide yeah. that had you listed was the top ten players in the area yeah 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 in Ohio I, in Ohio coming up in Cincinnati yeah I was I was on the ver- I was a top sixty player in the country at one point and top sixty depending on who you are it may sound low but to people who know the game that's pretty darn high and back then this was before social media so it was letters in the mail and I uh, stack high as the ceiling in this room Lawrence of universities that were looking at me that had interest and wanted to offer scholarships and I had the world at my feet at an age where the world shouldn't be at your feet and you get a a big head and you get this belief that you walk on water and the truth is you can't even swim and so at an early age I had these these visions of grandeur that I was going to be that guy who was listed ahead of me on that list in LeBron James and uh, you you gotta you gotta deal with reality when it hits you in the face. And at one point during my college career, I was able to say, I appreciate you giving me credit for my basketball career. And I had some accolades that I can look back on, share with my son, and be proud about. Um, but for, in in totality, I was able to at one point say, this is not going to be my life. This is not going to be my career. And when I was able to come to terms with that, I was able to audible, and I was able to create a path and carve out an area in which I wanted to pursue that was going to be lucrative for me, not financially, but enriching for me and feeding me and what I want to do with my life. Okay, I get all that, Jordan. All I'm saying is that. <laughs> you, you don't like that answer. Huh? No, I love the answer, <laughs> but but 
you were on a list with LeBron yeah, James. Yeah, but I was seven. I was seventeen, though, bro. You know what? How many guys and you, Lawrence? You've seen more basketball. You forgot more basketball than some people know. You're you're a mind that I look at as a basketball mind, as a sports mind, and I respect. Although you're more, you're a baseball player, but you know the game as well as anybody. You know, there's guys that are on those lists that now are, are delivering mail, and the other guys that were below them on that list are playing in the All Star game perennially. So I've never paid attention to that. That's why, even as I call games now, I look at the recruiting list and I make sure I understand them, but I don't give them the respect that a lot of people do. Okay. Because you got to go out there and earn it, right? That's completely fair. I just think that as far as if you're talking about Jordan Cornette artifacts, that is a great it's artifact. It's a damn good one, isn't it? Right? That's a damn good one, bro. That's, that's a great artifact to have <laughs> and share. And isn't LeBron's name spelled Misspelled. wrong? They spelled Jordan Cornette right. I got the respect of Cornette being spelled correctly, but LeBron went L-A-B-R-O-N. How about that? That man needs to go back, find baby powder, and slap the hell out of somebody for that disrespect. I, I agree with you <laughs> wholeheartedly. When, when it came to figuring out what type of broadcaster you wanted to be, who were some of the people that you were looking at and saying, yeah, I like that. I like a little bit of that. I like a little bit of that. I can put it together and add it to what I already am and become what I am today. That's a great question. Um, for me, coming up, ESPN was such a, a powerhouse in my life when I was younger. It was, it was get a bowl of cereal, turn on the TV, whether it's before school, whether it's on a weekend, whether it's on a day off, and just watch those anchors do what they did. Now, I didn't understand everything that went into it, but there was this guy that stuck out, and I was a little bit older at that time. I was a teen, but Stuart Scott was just somebody who I was just enamored with. And it's funny because, you know, rest in peace, um, but he was so polarizing when he was alive in terms of people, be, oh, Stuart Scott's the worst. He's so obnoxious, all those catchphrases. And then there's people who are like, this guy is incredible. I was on that side of this guy is remarkable. Because he was able to, that's authentically who he was. And he was able to create, he was, he was unafraid to unabashedly be himself. And in a space where you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. And the life that I grew up with was, I wasn't everybody's cup of tea. Either that guy's corny, that guy's a wannabe, that guy doesn't check the box of he's not, he's not black enough or he's not this enough or he talks this way or that. Cool. This is who I am. I love me. I know people that love me. And that's how I'm going to be when I'm on camera. And that's how I'm going to be when I'm behind a mic. I'm going to be the guy that I am because I was hired because somebody thinks that's a desirable voice. Somebody thinks that's good enough. And, and I never wanted to be anything but who I am. And, Lawrence, when I listen to you and I, there's other guys that I enjoy listening to in Chicago that do that and achieve that, and that's why they have success and have been relevant and remain that way, and you're one of those guys – uh, Stuart Scott was that for me. And I saw Stuart Scott and I said, he makes me feel a certain type of way. He gets me excited. If whatever it was, that That's dude, cool. that dude would read any highlight. And that felt like that was all that mattered in that moment. I love that. And then there was the, the, the polish and the command of the English language and the wordplay of a guy like Clark Kellogg, which I, I, I love, I love linguistics and I love anybody that can, that can pick the appropriate word at the moment that it calls for it. Clark Kellogg is just so such an artist with 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 his mouthpiece. He was slick, and that was something that I really enjoyed too. 
those are two of the guys that I, I really, really liked. And just because he reminds me of my old man, Greg Gumble. My, my old man looks like Greg Gumble. My old man's got that, that curly hair, which looks like it's got a little bit of juice coming <laughs> off it. That's how my old man looked when he was younger. Uh, <laughs> so I always related to Greg Gumble too, but he had a warmth. And I think like all those, those three things, look, they're not critical to be good at this gig, but they're three things that I identified with. The warmth of Greg Gumbel and the likability, the 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 command of the language to properly depict what's going on audibly like Clark Kellogg, and then just that cool in your own skin feel of Stuart Scott. Those are three things that I really took to, and I didn't know I took to them then, but looking back on it, now being posed with that question, those are three people. How do you like radio? I love it, man. I really do, and I didn't know I would. I grew up in, in, in Ohio, and Cincinnati's their sports talk radio, but it's not the beast that it is in Chicago. And so the appreciation for it was something I had to develop when I moved here some 15 years ago. And when it, once I moved here, it was like, wow, this is a whole realm that I was wholly unaware of. I, I, I didn't – it wasn't – and people do it in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I grew up, but the, they weren't the deal, you know what I mean? Like – the voice, if you have that voice in Chicago, that is, you know, you're carrying a big stick. And there's great responsibility that comes with it. And with that comes great preparation. But, I mean, Lawrence, you know the power you hold in this city and the voice that comes with that. That's something that I didn't know about until I moved here. And there was a part of me that <clears throat> right away was like, eh, is it my thing? Is sports talk radio what I'm into? But I had to find the right people. And when I started listening – I was like, yeah, this is – you have an ability with radio to shape more minds than you do with TV. And I, and I don't mean that in a mind control way. That would be kind of freaky. But, I mean, in terms of you really get to give people a taste of who you are. And then they can decide if they want to continue to consume that taste or if that taste ain't for them. And, and for me, it's a larger platform to share more of myself authentically. And I love it. I probably I would say I probably love it as much as anything I do. It's it's such an intimate medium. I, I I love it too. And even though you know I've done digital, I've done television, I've written a little bit here and there. I do really like. And now podcasting feels fills a little bit of that for me. But I I like the idea of the person in the car, the person that's in the car that's had a hard day. They're trying to get home. They're thinking about what they're going to do, and but they want to hear what you think about the Bears or they want to hear what you think about the Bulls. And they just – honestly, it's them wanting to hang out with you. That's a great way of putting it. For, for a commute, you know, which is extremely And there's a lot stressful. of people that they can pick. There's a lot of options out there. It, it's incredibly gratifying. And I, I, I like to, to steer that towards there's a great appreciation and a great respect for those listeners out there that are giving you that time and choosing to tune into you. You know, a lot of, you know, Twitter is giving some of the listeners a bad name because it can get ugly and some callers can get ugly. And I've seen that wrath and it, it's, it's upsetting. And I've learned to remove that from the greater side of how cool this is, but there is something incredibly special about the person that reaches out and says, Hey man, you get me through the day. I love listening to you. You guys had me cracking up with this or this today. I never thought about this this way. And even the guy who's like, you're a moron, but then wants to 
without getting too personal. Engage. Engage and have that debate with the level of respect right there. So remove moron, but be like, hey, bud, what are you talking about? This is what it is. And then you go back and forth and you have that interaction, that engagement, but you come away from it respecting the other side of it. I think the country as a whole could use some of that. But it's to me, it's, it's as cool as it gets. I mean, you've got people that want to hang out with you. And that is, that's cool, man. That's really cool because when you're commentating on a game, which is another hat that I get to wear, tune it in for the game. You just don't want to mess that thing up. You know what I mean? You're like the nose tackle. You're, you're, like, you're like the offensive lineman that's, you know. Don't get your name called if for name, something bad. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to know you. The left tackle is a little bit different. I don't want to know the names of all of them. I don't want to know the name of that official. He's doing just enough not to mess it up. Whereas in this – you got to attract them, and you, but you got to be on your stuff, and you got to be prepared, and you got to be engaged, and got to have a personality, and I love that. What's it like working with Cap? Because he is a ball of energy, but it's real. It's it's completely and real, you know, and you and you know that well. I know there's a great respect between the two of you guys. Um, everybody asks me that a lot. Like, is he really like that? And before they can finish the question, yes, it's who he is. Dan Weeder did a a great piece on him. It was like a hundred pages. <laughs> the trip last year that literally covered everything but it was beautifully done dan's incredibly talented um but it told the story of who cap is and i would say i don't know a more loyal person in my life in this business than him to me and taking the leap of faith on a guy uh in me who didn't have a name in this town still working to get one that's not what drives me but on my way um and he said this guy let's give him a shot not lost upon me too and worth mentioning there is that's because of you. That's because he reached out to you, Lawrence, and said, hey, you got any names out there because of the respect that Cap has for you and vice versa, and you mentioned my name. And Cap, who I knew from just being around, and we, we'd shared a few meals here and there, um, and, and Cap said, yeah, I, I know Jordan. He's a good dude. I know he talks basketball, um, but can he talk to other sports? And you having, you know, we've been able to work together in other ventures before, were able to vouch for me. And, and look, that's not something that I take lightly, man. You put your name on a line for for a young brother in this business that hadn't proven he could do radio. And Cap gave me that opportunity and it has really ridden with me. And there's a lot of people that may have questions like, I don't know this guy. He's not from Chicago. What's the deal here? And I feel like I've answered the call. And I, I know that there's a lot of improvement to be done, but I relish the challenge. Um, but Cap has grown to become – as close to me as they come. And, and you know, I, I spend time with him. I spend time with Mindy. I spend time with all of his boys. Um, I enjoy my time with Cap, and I, I, I truly love him like he's part of family, and he's really looked out for me. I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, um, but he's mine. And what he, um, in terms of loyalty, it's as good as it gets, but also in terms of passion. I've learned a lot from him in that regard. I, I think some people can be off-putting, um, but to me, to watch how he approaches every day, like he wants to make it a masterpiece, it's inspiring. And and I sometimes take a step back and look at his glass-half-full approach to stuff, and you need that because, let's be honest, Lawrence, it can get ugly in this business. There can be times where you know, the the listener, the, the Twitter, the this or that, it's a lot of debate at times. That can beat you down. He remains positive and engaged and excited about every assignment and the guy works his ass off doesn't he he does i would what i always liked about cap is the authenticity of of him mm -hmm. like he's that dude all the time 
Like, it's not a fr- it's not a front. It really isn't. A lot of people are sticks in this game, and we could call them by name if we wanted to. I'm not going to. Um, a lot of people, it's a stick, and we see right through it. And and that's not him. He's the guy that is up at four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> doing crazy stuff. He's the guy that's in the shower with the phone. Like he is all of those things. Lawrence, he FaceTimes me when he wants to call just to talk. That's great. This, this dude will be in bed, FaceTime me, not text me. He's not a texter, by the way. Like, and that can be annoying at times. Like sometimes it's just a text. Hey, what's going on for tomorrow? One line, good. It's a phone call, and if it's not a phone call, it's a FaceTime. He loves, and he'll tell you this. I'm not throwing him out of the bus. He hates being alone. He loves people. He's in the right business because he gets to engage at all times, and he gets to have his voice heard. That means something to him. He's he's a special cat, um, but it's it really is fun right alongside him. It's fun. Well, what I figured out when we worked together over at 120 is that towards the end of the 120 experiment, <laughs> there was a little bit more room for us to discuss things. And that's when I figured out, I was like, Jordan can totally do radio because basically that's what they were asking us to do. to do. They were asking us to do a talk show. We just happened to have a video compliment with us, which is was right in my wheelhouse. I was like, yes, finally. Like me and Michael, like little each other, like, yes, thank you. This is exactly what we should have been doing yeah, a long time exactly. ago. But but once I saw that you were able to jump through a lot of different hoops, and you know the way our rundowns used to be, it was we're going to talk college football here. Now we're going to talk NFL. We're going to talk about Bro, the NBA or jujitsu. I mean, right. they we're going everywhere. Right. Yeah. So so once I figured out, well, Jordan can totally handle this stuff. That's an easy leap for you to then go into radio. Like yeah. That that becomes an easy thing. So when when Cap asked me about, it, I was like, yeah, he's. He's someone that you should, first of all, it's an infusion of youth that, that you can add to it. And I think that that plays well, where you have someone who's the, the next generation down. No cap, I'm not calling you old. but the next, He is old. He you is can old. call him old. But you're, you're the <laughs> next generation down, so your perspective is different. True. You're an athlete, so your perspective is different. You're a person of color. So your perspective is different. We need more of that in this city. A hundred percent. So when you throw all of that stuff together, it made for what I thought. I was like, man, I hope that he really is listening to me on this because it could it could work out well. Goes back to that respect. If if you match it up and it and it has like it's really you sound comfortable. And I don't know like when when you used to do spots like on the score. And he was like, oh, well, Jordan's going to come on and talk college basketball. That's my lane. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But now you sound like whether it's you talking Bears, it's not a I'm going to punch the button because Jordan doesn't know what he's talking about because he's a basketball player. Now you're just someone who's watching games with other people and you're able to break it down. I appreciate that, Lawrence. I think there's an adjustment period for the listener on that regard because I think immediately, and you still get the, you know, the clown that says stick to basketball. And my always response is, Okay, so if I'm a basketball guy and I can't have an opinion on football, what sport did you play at all to have an opinion? Like, so I'm I'm at fault because I was a scholarship athlete, but you didn't play any sports, so should you not be talking about any of these? Um, so there is the adjustment period for the listener, I think, to be like, okay, prove to me that you're watching this stuff. Prove to me that you that you know this stuff. I'm a fan, man. I'm a fan of these sports. Baseball was my first love. Basketball is what I turned to at age 13. Because I was just growing too much, and I developed a better skill set at it. 
football is what I played every day in the backyard and, and watched every game, college or, or pro. Uh, that was the sport I loved. I was just too soft and didn't want to get hit. So I loved all sports. Basketball was just the path I went down. But, you know, we're from an era where there wasn't video games that really – I was before the real big push of video games. And obviously well before social media and technology was huge. It was sports. It was trading baseball cards. It was watching whatever sporting event was on, and that's never left me. If anything, you know, if I can watch something, I'm I'm watching a sport. There's no better reality TV. And now that I've played those sports at that level, not the highest but close, there's a relatability. And I think what also I'm able to bring to ESPN 1000 is the, like what you mentioned, that athlete perspective. Uh, what I take great pride in, though, too, is, is having a minority voice uh, be major. And that's something that I'm, I, I, I do not, when I talk about responsibility, it's not something I take lightly. I look around and I see um, how few there are. And, and you know, I, I see, and we don't want to go too much off on a tangent, but I see that Jason Goff is not out here. I see that. I, I don't know what that is, but I know that there is a demand for a voice like that. And I, I look around and say, okay, who is doing it? Love Jay Hood. Jay Hood is fantastic. Love listening to you. I like diverse voices, and they come in a variety of forms, but it's needed in this city so everybody can try a little bit of something. You don't want the same vantage point on everything. What fun is that? I agree. And luckily, I'm so happy for, for Jay, he and Anthony Heron. Yeah, those two are good together. A dude. Like, they're so good together, and they're doing the, the, Big the morning the best, show. Too. He's such a great guy. I mean, it's it's so funny, like, how – the broadcasting business in Chicago is very representative of the city itself because I feel like Chicago is the biggest small town in the world. And it's the same thing where Anthony works with Shay. I worked with Jason. Yeah. Jason and Anthony <laughs> yeah. now work together. It's wild, right? It's, it's like a really like weird, weird, weird thing, which which is, it is awesome. I Since I have an athlete here, I usually talk about this a little bit on the show. How would you... And you're you're having to deal with this, whether it's in your own family. How do you go about raising an athlete today? Do you want to specialize? Should a, should a kid specialize, or should they play basketball, baseball, hockey, skateboard, do whatever it is? Or if you figure out, well, it's eight years old, they have a propensity for baseball. Well, that's what they're just going to do from now on. Yeah, my thing, and my son's eleven years old now, Lawrence. I had him try them all. I had him do baseball. I had him do soccer. I had him do basketball. I had him do swimming. Uh, he never wanted to do football, which is great because I, I would probably not have let him, uh, given the the culture and, or what we or what we've seen, not the culture, the what science. we've seen, the science. Thank you, the science. That's um, just not a, a a risk I'm willing to take with my child. But he never wanted to try it, so I didn't push him for that one. What I did push my 11 year old boy to do was at the age of six, seven years old was. Try them all because you don't know what you don't know. Get out there and play these sports, and then we'll pick off the ones that you don't like, that you really don't have an interest in, but we're going to try them all. We're going to be an active child, and we're going to experience things. And basketball, it's, it's, it's a heartbreaking time right now, Lawrence. Basketball is not his thing. He doesn't like it. Basketball is not my little boy's thing, and it breaks my eye. I, I want to cry as I talk about this because I had these visions of, of raising – uh, a, a younger, better me and, and teaching the things that I, I didn't have in the game. 
And that's just through trial and error. I, we made him stick with it to the point where he came to me and said, Dad, I'm never going to fulfill your shoes. I, I don't like the pressure of it. I don't like this game. It feels like uh, uh, something that I'm doing just to appease you. Mm. And there might be a lot of parents out there say, okay, cool, continue to appease me. <laughs> but I noticed that my son is a hell of a swimmer. Yeah, we're out here. That's right, Lawrence, swimming. Make him Tim Duncan. And so I, he's, he's lean. He's got the broad shoulders. He's winning every race. And it's fun to be the dad that sits there and watches your son win. So we've kind of weeded down, uh, weeded out some of the other sports. And he loves soccer. Uh, and he loves swimming. So that's what he is now. And I had to come to grips with I wasn't going to make my son be something that he's not. And I'm not going to be the pathetic parent that lives vicariously through their kid. I want my kid to be happy. I also want him to work at stuff. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to let him quit basketball because he wasn't good at it and it was tough. I wanted him to continue to work at it, see that maybe that wasn't his thing. And after ample, um, ample opportunities to work at it and improve and meet a little bit of adversity – then move on. And he did that for several years, and, and we got to this point this past year where it's not his thing. So we had to let it go, and that's tough. So I would definitely say no to specialization. I'd say get him out there, let him try everything, and if there comes a point where there's one that they just excel at and they can really go far with that, then, yeah, put the focus on that. But if they're really good at two sports, let them be really good at those two sports. If it's three, you've got a unique talent. Let them do all three for as long as they can. Sports seems to be a really strong bond in the the, the Cornet household. Mm. And you brought up that you were kind of not living your own dream, but you were kind of living your brother's dream. How did how did Joey impact you? Oh man, it's, now you're gonna make me cry. Um, my brother was my best friend, and my brother was. I came from a house of three boys. Uh, my brother would be 37 years old now. He passed away uh, August 16th of 2016. And um, that was the tie that binded us. You know, that was our connection. And through that connection came a lot of other beautiful things. But in a house where the boys were two to two and a half years apart, I was the middle child. My little brother, he bowed out gracefully. He said, hey, I'm not an athlete to that level. He loves sports. And funny enough, he's gotten more athletic as he's gotten older. But he wasn't a college athlete. He wasn't a varsity high school star. He was none none of those things. So coming up, he was always his own person where me and my brother Joey had this intense rivalry because when I was younger, and he would he would acknowledge this, and maybe we'll get a sign from above as we're doing this interview if he disagrees, um, but I was the better athlete when we were young. So like going through grade school when he was a couple years older, it was clear that I was going to be the high school star and had a future in this, where with him, he was a late bloomer. Then he got to high school, and he's again, he was two years ahead of me, and he ended up choosing St. Xavier High School in Cincinnati, which, um, for those familiar with the Midwest, Moeller's the powerhouse. That's where Barry Larkin, that's where King Griffey Jr., that's where the great Tom Waddle uh, went to high school. We grew up right behind that school. My brother chose St. Xavier, so the path was set for where I was going to go. He got to high school in his junior year. Uh, he didn't have many people looking at him. He was, a, he was an average basketball player, pretty good. Um, but the best look that he got was Butler, Butler University. And Butler, yo, nobody knew Butler back then. This is 1999. Butler hadn't had the run that Butler had. This wasn't Gordon Hayward's Butler. This wasn't Shelvin Mack. This was not Brad Stevens' Butler. So my brother was playing, of all people, his rival high school, Moeller, in the, um, for a, a bid to go to the state championship. And he's at the line, and he's got to make a free throw 
to tie the game with waning seconds. And they're chanting, where is Butler? Where is Butler? My brother airballed Lawrence. He airballed the free throw to tie the game. They lost. That was the last game he played in high school. I remember my brother coming off the court crying. Just we, You could not console him. He would not ride home with us. He drove himself home. He was, he just, he was distraught. He got home that night after the game and said, I promise you, everyone is going to know what and who Butler is by the time I leave that place. It wasn't so much that he missed the shot, which of course hurt him, but it was he was so embarrassed that people thought that this school, that he had this pride that he was going to be attending. He was getting a scholarship. And these clowns in the stands have never heard of Butler, and they're going to make fun of the place that this dream that I've achieved, I've got a college scholarship. I'm going to do something special, and you're laughing at me? It became his personal mission to put Butler on the map. When I saw that drive, how personal he took that, how much he wanted to succeed, that's when the light switch went off with me and said, I'm always going to attack everything with this chip. My brother gave me the chip on the shoulder that's never left me. Um, and Shay would probably wish it's left me sometimes because she's probably like, take it easy. You don't have to go so hard at everything in your life. But my brother, when he went to Butler and he left in 2003, after they went to the Sweet 16 and had a magical run, and we were in the Sweet 16 at the same time, I as a sophomore on Notre Dame as the fifth starter, him as the star of this Butler team in 2003, I realized he did it. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. And it was the drive that my brother had. And again, it's that thing that Cap has. It's the passion. And my brother was passionate about everything. And he always said, why do something if you're not going to do a full throttle? I mean, it could be anything. It could be, you know, uh, it could be playing poker. It could be how fast can you finish this book? It could be drinking. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll drink you. Everything he did, he was going to do it to the to the best, as best he could. And that was something that I, want, I wanted to be my brother. So when he got his college scholarship, well, Lawrence, I had to go to a school that was bigger and better than Butler. So when I went to Notre Dame, the, the, the measuring stick was, okay, I went to a better school. Now I got to have a better career than him. I didn't do that. But I spent those four years chasing my brother, and I think one of the toughest things besides losing your best friend because there was this evolution of as we got older and he was no longer – the guy that I was competing against, we became best friends when he moved to Chicago and became a sports agent, worked with Mark Bartlestein and Priority Sports, and, man, was he a great agent. Uh, and he had some, some big-time players, Bradley Beal being one of those guys. Um, when he left, I didn't have that person that was the measuring stick, and that's – I can't believe this. You're going to get me crying over here. I didn't have the person that I – could look to and say, hey, I just got hired by ESPN 1000. Look at me, Joey. Look what I'm doing. Or, see, you didn't think I could get to your level of success. Look what, I, look what I'm doing. And it's, I still find myself doing that, man. And it's, he's still there. And that was a big phrase that we use with his foundation. It's the, it's the, the phrase that he became known for at Butler. And it's become a tagline there. It's definitely become the motto or, or the phrase that the foundation uses is, when he went to the tournament in 2003 and they thought they didn't belong, there's Ben Howland at UCLA said, why would you put this team in when there's other power five teams that belong? <clears throat> and, and my brother got up on the podium when they had just won the advance to the Sweet 16 and he went off in the game, was balling in the tournament. Got up there and said, Ben Howland thinks we don't belong here. These people think that we're not good enough and this and that. And he goes, and he looked deadpanned into the crowd right in the camera. He always knew where the camera was. 
said, but we are still here. And he pounded the wall when he said that. And it was, again, it was that moment where, gosh, my brother is just, he is going to go after it. And that chip is going to propel him to do whatever he wants in this world. And he's left me with that. And that is something that I always think about. I'm not trying to push you to cry. I'm just. Well, you're there, man. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just interested in it. And I, I, I won't. After this question, I won't ask you any more about. I Joey. love talking about him. You're fine. I, I, I know that him. you do. How how are, how do you deal with that? Where here you have this brother who's kind of like a superhero, mm-hmm. no doubt in my eyes, no doubt. And you lose him when he's really making an impact outside of. He's now a superhero in two different realms. Yeah. How how do you go on? How how do you, how have you gone through the grieving process to to try and honor Joey but live your own life? Yeah, uh, that's gosh, you're good at this, man. <laughs> you're really good at this. Uh, I am not the poster boy for grieving, and I I be I, I I'm self aware enough to say that I I bottle a lot of that stuff up, and then Shay tried to get me to go see somebody to talk about it. Let me tell you, that's not for everybody. You got to be ready to go talk to somebody, to get the, the medicine that you're looking for from that, the, the help, the guidance. Didn't work for me. Maybe it's a stubbornness. I'm an Aries. Maybe it's just in my DNA. Um, but that didn't work for me. And, and I came to a place where you just got to realize some things are out of your control. I can't bring my brother back. And that sounds cliche, but it's true because I think when you're in that space, you look at your parents and you see that they're never going to be the same. That was their firstborn. Their life will never be the same and once I realized that there's nothing I can ever do to change that allowed me to gain a better perspective and somebody told me um, this great advice from a close friend of mine Steve Solman his wife Kate who had lost a a parent earlier in her life said to me it's like I call it your grief case that you're carrying and it's like Mm. somebody hands you a hundred pound briefcase and says you got to carry this everywhere you go every day and that first day you grab that 100-pound briefcase and you're walking a, a mile down the road to catch the train and then you're on the train and you're walking another half mile to work, you're like, I can't do this. How am I going to carry this briefcase that weighs 100 pounds everywhere? And it seems unfathomable to be able to do it. And then as you go on, that 100 pounds turns to 90, turns to 60, turns to 50, and then it's always going to be a weight, but it's more like 25 to 30 pounds and you can carry it, but it's always there. And that's so true as I'm now two years removed from the loss of my brother. It's always there, and it's always there at any moment. But holidays are coming. I'm sure you're probably excited for for Thanksgiving and and Christmas. It's the worst time for me because that's when you look to your right and you see your mom who wants to be happy or your father who wants to be happy, but they know and they show. And Digger Phelps gave me some great advice. I know I'm dropping a lot of names here, but these are people that have helped, and I know the listener knows these names. Digger Phelps, you know, was the son of a grave digger, and he gave me the advice and said, never cry in front of your mother with this. You have to be her strength. And he called me the day I lost my brother, and and he made sure to give me that note, and it's resonated too. I've always tried to be the strongest person for my family, And one thing I got caught up in doing, Lawrence, which is also something I just realized very recently that I can no longer do because it's counterproductive is I then wanted to be the most successful guy that I could possibly be. I wanted to make sure that, you know, I killed it in this media thing. I made my parents as proud 
as they could possibly be of their middle child, who's now, unfortunately, their oldest living child. Because I wanted them to say, okay, Joey's gone, but I can still make up for that with some great successes and make you happy and try to fill this void. You don't fill that void. Like there's, no, I could become the president of the United States, and that's not going to bring my brother back. And I tried to bury myself in my work because then I felt like if I bury myself in work, then there's no time to think about my brother. But my brother ain't going away, and my brother is is such a powerful force that there's nothing I can do that will make that pain go away. So it's tough because the most success I've had professionally, it's been why he hasn't been on this earth. And the dichotomy of that is, the gravity of that is freaking deep, man. You know what I mean? Like when the person that was your measuring stick of success is gone and then you're starting to achieve measured success and he's not there, it's hard. And life is just never the same. And I know there's people listening out there that can relate that maybe have lost people in life. But what you asked is why it's so unique is because he found his calling. He was a great college player and after college and he played briefly professionally overseas and never really was his thing, much like it wouldn't have been mine. And half the reason why I didn't do it because I saw how he how the experience was for him. And again, he was my idol. But then he tried his hand at coaching and followed Todd Licklider to Iowa and that experience didn't go as planned. So I think he was a little bit lost. And then Brad Stevens suggested that he link up with Mark Bartlesine in Priority Sports, a, a very highly esteemed sports agency out here. And it was a home run. And he had been doing that for a couple years out here. And it took him away. And it's just, it's, it's crazy when you see that kind of stuff. And I don't do this often, man. I don't like, I don't, I don't get too much into this stuff because it is, it's deep stuff and it hurts and it hurts every day. And um, I can't sit here and say something that's be BS if I said I go out there and I approach every day like it's the last day on earth. I don't have any of those epiphanies. I just have an appreciation. What I have gained is the people in my life. I love them dearly and I, the, a level of loyalty to them because I do not know when they're going to be taken from me. And I went from never losing anybody really close to me to losing somebody as close to me as it can get. And that makes you look through a different lens. And so when you see hate on Twitter and people say you're a basketball guy, you don't know this, or somebody wants to throw something racist at you, it doesn't hit. I know what loss is. I know what hurt is. That's meaningless. And so I, 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 I see my brother in things, and I try to remember the great times because that's all you got. Um, but he's, he's there, as you can see, and he ain't going anywhere. Let's talk about the jam. <laughs> Let's switch. <laughs> Please, man. You already have Kleenex in here. <laughs> Can we move on? It's, it's, it's like the, the old Roy Fire, fire <laughs> scene <laughs> thing and Jerry Maguire. Yeah, with Firestone, right? Yeah. Firestone. I see yeah. fire scene. Firestone. So it's, it's, it's getting people to cry. That is not the objective. Dude, I just you, know. You, Set me up here, man. What's going, what's, what's going on? I got way too deep for this. I apologize. I, are you kidding? What I love about that is that that's going to help someone. I hope so. That you'd be shocked. Like some of the, the conversations that I've had with people and what they reveal and what they share can end up helping someone. I love Sierra, uh, Sierra Santos, because. She has destigmatized depression and 
and and having like her story is unbelievable. You know, basically going to what she dubbed as bad girl boot camp when she was a teenager mm. and them having to take her shoelaces away because they were afraid that she would commit suicide. Like, I mean, it is. And, and when people heard that interview, there were people who reached out to me and reached out to her and said, I needed to hear that. So trust yeah. that that there's going to be someone who listens to you talk about this that might be going through it right now. Well, yeah, and, and I, that that's that's true, Lawrence. And the thing that I would say is if they are taking away from it, do everything at your own speed. Don't let anybody tell you to go see a therapist right away because it'll fix you. Don't let anybody tell you to bury yourself in work or take all this time off. Do what you think is going to be best for you to get through. And there's no exact science to that. Everybody's different. Um, if you do need to go see somebody, do it when you're ready to. Because if you go in there closed-minded like I did, there's no chance it was going to work. Um, so that's my best advice. I hope there's not too many people that have to experience it, but it's a reality in this world. I love that you're, you're following in the footsteps of guys like Michael Strahan, mm -hmm. Ryan Shiverini, that okay. that have been doing sports stuff, and then you pivot it, and you're also doing entertainment stuff with the Jam. So when the offer came your way, were you nervous because you're so branded with sports, particularly with basketball? And there really isn't a basketball guy doing what you do. Like, I've been racking my brain yeah. around the country. There really isn't that. Usually it's former football players that end up on the shows where it's a morning show and it's happy. There, And I've always thought, well, why isn't it? Well, probably because then the other person has to stand on a box hey. if they're standing that, next to a Jordan Cornette. <laughs> that's happening. That, we're figuring out that, that obstacle right now. Yeah, then the, the opportunity came my way. It was... It was uh, it was interesting, and I kind of wrote it off. I thought it was not going to be much because I had an understanding of WCIU and uh, great respect for the people that run things over there. And, you know, it's Chicago zone, and they're very much aligned with the community. Um, so I had an awareness of what they did, but I also knew that it, their demographic wasn't me for this kind of show that they were pitching. And I said, I don't know if this is ever going to get off the ground. So when they asked me to do it, Luckily, you said no. Um, <laughs> I, I had to slide that in there. Well, they wouldn't need boxes if I was over there doing that. I'd be the one on the box. That's funny because I don't even think they know that I know that. That's funny. Um, <laughs> and so when it came down to Pipeline, I said, you know, this could be unique for me. This could be something that, look, in sports, as I do ESPN and as I do ESPN 1000, I do games on the road with ESPN nationally on TV and in studio. It's awesome. I love it. I'll always love it. That's in my DNA. That's me. I'm so blessed to have the opportunity. Yet still, there's an understanding. We know this business works. There's guys that retire every day. There's a guy who blows his knee out and gives the game up. Those names are ready-made names that will always challenge me no matter what. You love to believe that the talent will speak for itself, and for the most part it does, and you can protect yourself. You can control your own destiny to a degree. But you're always looking over your shoulder in sports for the big names to retire and say, hey, let's give this guy who maybe doesn't deserve it, but let's give him a shot. So I wanted something else outside of that that would be secure. But not only that, and all my teammates that I've ever shared a locker room would always say, Jordan's a different dude, man. Like Jordan talks about stuff in the locker room that we don't know about, that we ain't talking about, that we don't care about. Jordan comes in and talks about the real housewives 
I don't care about Jordan will be reading a People magazine over it. Like just weird stuff. I'm I consume everything. I'm interested in everything. I'm reading a book on Buddha right now. I just finished The Art of War. Like I'm interested in everything. I like to learn. And so for me, sports is great, but there's still an itch that needed to be scratched. And when they called and said, this opportunity is out there, I said, this is me. They said, you know, with the Michael Strahan lane and what they're doing, since Lawrence said no, this might be great (laughs) for us to go down this route with somebody that's an athlete and take a former athlete that's played at this certain level and try him in here. And they wanted to just come in and, and talk to me. And when I came in, they're like, this guy seems like he has some of that warmth. He seems like he has some of that Clark Kellogg command of, of the language type stuff. He seems like he has some of that edge and uniqueness and, and, and flavor that a Stuart Scott has. And I think that could resonate. So uh, they gave me one shot. I came in and I did one segment. And I, I just like, well, uh, this will never get off its feet. And they called me a week later and said, hey, or a day later, excuse me, and said, we want you for this project and we want to move forward with it. And I was like, bet. And so they've been great with me understanding that what I can potentially bring for the show, but also understanding that I'll always have a foot in sports. And the, the management over there has worked great with me on understanding who I am and what I can bring. And look, our show is not the number one rated show in Chicago. We can be honest about that. But we're offering something unique with the resources that we have. And I think we're doing um, a good job on that front. We can grow a lot more, but I'm blessed to be working alongside two talented women in Carly Henderson and Felicia Lawrence, who me and Felicia have now done two years together. And she's what I call the queen of the South side. Uh, Morgan Park's finest, right? Hey, she's a great woman. I'm getting to know Carly, who's relatively new to us, but it's fun. It's different every day. And it allows me to do the things that I've always wanted to do coming up, talk about everything. And I have the ability that a lot of people don't in this business to talk bulls, to talk cubs, socks, bears, and then turn around and talk makeovers or do a dog segment too. And, and Meghan Markle. And Meghan Markle. <laughs> I can tell you anything you want to know about the royal family. And it's funny because guys on Twitter will be like, why is he watching this or that? Like, why is he talking about this award show? Bro, that's what I do for a living. Like, that's part of the research. But I ain't going to lie to you. I enjoy that stuff, too. I'm sitting there with the popcorn with Shay and our girlfriends watching it. And if people want to judge me for that, Lawrence, that's what I'm trying to tell you about me. I don't care. Like, if you think I'm corny because I'm interested in this stuff, that's fine. And if you want to respect me because I can talk about the Bears, the Bulls, Notre Dame football or whatever, then that's cool, too. I'm never going to fit in a box that people want to define me by. I'm 6'8", black and played sports. And what? So what am I supposed to like because of that? How am I supposed to sound because of that? Who am I supposed to marry because of that? Like, I'm going to do me. And, and I think to anybody out there, do you. Like, who, who's got time for somebody to tell you who you're going to be? Like, I'm me, and I'm learning as I go. The person that I was when I was a young buck working at Big Ten Network is not the guy that I am now, but I've learned a lot along the way, and one thing I've never given up being is Jordan. How are those two thirty wake up calls though? Uh, like, how do you? Ma- I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, I am <laughs> legitimately curious. It's awful. Man. How you handle this? Because obviously you're staying up and you're watching sports. Yeah. Now we're in a great point in technology where now there are condensed games that you can watch on NFL, True. on MLB. But still, you're a guy that likes to be I in the moment. Live. Yeah. You look at my Twitter timeline. I'm tweeting about this stuff late night. I'm watching it. I have mastered naps. 
Okay. And so I will it, – it's not quite 2.30. It's 3.40 is my wake-up call every morning, 3.40. Okay. And I'm in there at 4 a.m. for a morning meeting, and I'm on the air at 6 a.m. I've been working with the bosses to try and move that morning meeting to 5. We're not quite there yet. That so would I'm be a, ideal. <laughs> yeah. So I'm – let's say – okay, typical day. Up at 3.40 a.m., in that meeting at 4 a.m., prep for the show, ready to rock at 6. 6 to 8 a.m., I'm doing the jam. As soon as I get out of the jam, I take promos for the next day. I jump in an Uber. I'm over to ESPN 1000 there by 8.30 for our meeting to go over the show. I'm on there at 9 a.m. I'm doing that till about 12.30. My time crosstalks over with Carmen Yurk. I ride with those three hours with Cap. I'm done with that. I try to catch a workout. It takes me to about 2.30. I take a nap. Try to from about 2.30 to 4.30. Get all my other stuff done. Uh, take care of miscellaneous stuff, the honey-do list that Shay perpetually has prepared for me. Uh, do all that and maybe get in some sexy time. And then it's watch the sports. And it's watch everything that's going on that night in sports. And maybe there's a night where I can catch some Netflix too or maybe there's no nap in Netflix. And then I'm in bed by 11 o'clock. And I'm getting four and a half hours of sleep. But so that's why that nap is crucial in the middle of the day. Huge. Because, look, we're ta- I lost my brother to a heart attack. Um, which is what we didn't touch on. I, we're not going back there, by the way, Lawrence. Okay. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But uh, I know that you got to take care of your body. So I know that it's not ideal to be getting such a little sleep. So I try to manage those naps in, but I also try and make sure I'm getting my heart the exercise uh, and get my heart rate up during the day. And I'm trying to watch what I eat. So I'm trying to get back down to uh, my playing weight. I'm trying to do all the right things to take care of my body because that's important. How far are you from your playing weight? Oh, man, I'm about 30 pounds off, brother. Do you got, still play ball at all? No, I can't. But I saw I saw you guys were playing in the in the media runs, and they reached out to me. Yeah, I was but wondering where, where you were. So I'm, you guys are saying, what is it, Tuesdays? It was just that particular Tuesday. Okay, so that's I don't one know that, if they're going to do that. I don't think there's going to be enough so, bodies. Okay, so it's just that, too. I saw you guys had, like, was it Winnington out there? Bro? Yeah, Winnington was there, and <laughs> Will Purdue was there. Now, what is their game like? Well, Bill will tell you that he didn't want to be out there because he, he still hurts. Randy Brown played. Randy looks like he could probably still get he, some minutes He can still ball. Um, Sean Respert played. Sean Respert, huh? Um, Michael Reinsdorf played. Now, that's not a guy you want to injure. No, and that's what we so were. Like, what, does he get buckets? Because nobody really wants to guard him, right? Dude, we were all yelling Red Sea whenever <laughs> yeah, right? he got the ball in the so lane. It's like straight to the cup. Roll, tip back, whatever he wants. Everyone just moved out of the way when, when he got the rock. But it was a lot of fun. Like I, I, I figured out about myself. I was talking with young Tony, my, one of my producers at, at the yeah. score, yep. about this. He played high school ball, was actually a pretty good player. I hurt myself. Like, the most that I've ever been hurt was playing high school basketball. Freshman year, I destroyed my ankle. I had what's called a, a triple arthrodesis. They you had told to, me about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm just now realizing it. I mean, this is now like 30 years later. But I'm just now realizing it that I don't go full speed playing basketball because of that. And and that's the thing. I've never gone full speed playing so basketball don't you ever get, so again. So that's why I'm sh- like that you're different from me and you still check the yes, I'll play box. I on that day Adam Delavid who who's my esteemed boss at ESPN 1000 loved to death asked me to play and I got to be honest, I told him I had something going on just cuz I didn't want to play. Yeah. I get it. Like I 
But I, if you tell me it's a safe zone where people aren't trying to, it's yeah, like yeah. a national championship. Yeah, you can come on out. I, I just don't want to have an ACL surgery, bro. You no, know I, mean? I feel you on that. I got a bucket, so if I got a bucket, <laughs> imagine the type of buckets that you're yeah, going to be able get, to get. I want to get a sweat, and it's not always on a treadmill or the bike. Look, I went out there. We ran two games, got an hour in. I was like, I'm not broken, and I left. <laughs> That and that was the way that I approached it. I I had actually been playing a little bit, just because like it was kind of a fun diversion from the elliptical or sure. or lifting weights. So I was my body was kind of used to it. I had a really good time, and I See, don't ordinarily have a good time playing I, I basketball. Would do, I would do it for one of the things I love about working in this business in Chicago. It truly is a fraternity, and so the experience of being able to do that and 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 be around everybody in a room. That excites me. So I would not pass on the opportunity the next time. I would definitely join in. I, I that is, to me, one of the coolest things about the gig, is you know I, I had lunch the other day with with golf. You know I was at the football game with Gian Greco and Waddle and Cap um, just this past weekend. I'm sitting here with you and me and you have been friends for some time now. Like that's what's cool to me is these people who have an influence in this business and in different see this thing through different lenses and different perspectives, different walks of life, there's a mutual respect for the most part with everybody in it, for the most part. Agreed. There's, there's some people out there, they hit me up, I'm probably going to say I got something going on. But there's a whole lot of them that, that I enjoy being around, and there's some I haven't had a chance to connect with that I would really like to. Um, but that's what's cool about this is, and I hope it's cool for the listeners out there to see those types of interactions sometimes because I think people figure your score, that he's ESPN 1000. Right. Um, you and Cap do a great job of, of blurring those lines, and I think more people should consider doing that. Jeff Dickerson is one of my favorite people on the planet. How could he not be? JD is one of the best. And, you know, I go way back with Jonathan. So, I mean, there and, and Randy Merkin. Merc. Went to my high school. Yeah. He's part of the HF Mafia. Okay. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of it. And that's honestly, like, one of the things I wanted to do with this podcast is whether it's people I don't know very well or, or friends of mine that are in the business, I do like picking the brains of other people and seeing what it is they do, how they got to where they are, what their origin story is. And you find out that there's a lot of similarities be, between why you're involved in the business and why someone else is. So I think it's important to show that. I also think in, in our particular case, when you're talking about two men of color, True. I think that it's a really good idea for us to to connect and to lift as we climb um, with each I love other. I that phrase. I use it all the time. I'm a big proponent of it. And with other people, with I like to spotlight women in our industry. And you do a great job of it. Well, because, I mean, it's it's an industry that's been in need of change. And you need to understand that that the people that are in it, they're in it because a genuine love for it. Layla Rahimi loves baseball. She's great at what she does. She loves it. And you can tell. It's it's the same thing with Shay. Like, Shay loves sports. Like, Shay's not just in this because it's a vehicle for her. Like, she genuinely cares about sports. But And that's the funny thing, Lawrence. You don't know how many times that they're not coming up to me on the Pete Davidson, why, why is she with you type thing. It's the... Man, she really knows these sports, and it's like, bro, just because she's not built the same way the men are doesn't mean she doesn't know it like men do. Like, right? People got to get out of that that headspace that, wow, and she knows sports. You can be beautiful, and know the game. And Layla and Shay are great representatives of that. 
guys, get past looking at the, the, the women on the camera and start investing in what's up here as I point to my head because they know their stuff and you shouldn't be surprised by it. Just like when I get, man, he's so well-spoken. <laughs> I wish I could punch everybody in my face that says I'm so well-spoken. What? Like, what was the what's the Chris Rock line? What's the voice that you were expecting? Yeah, to come right. Out? Like you're not giving me a compliment when you go, oh, that, that young man's really well. Sp- Are you surprised I can put sentences together, words together, and formulate a sentence? Like, so yeah, same thing goes there, and I, I think you do a great job at that. And I I love uh, what you're doing with this podcast. It is a great idea, and like I was watching, I was listening. To one of the other ones with with uh, Mike Hall, who is a guy I used to work with. Oh, he's great. Um, and, and and that's the thing. Some people may not tune in and hear Mike's voice a lot because maybe they're not Big Ten Network people. They're not big. They don't fall under the Big Ten Network blueprint. But maybe they got a chance to listen to him and can get an insight into a very unique guy who's now a family man and uh, put on a little bit of pounds. We gotta get Mike back in the gym. Can maybe I say that? he would love to have played in that game. Because Mike, I'm a, big too, so no, no hate there, bro. He's a huge like White Sox fan, so yeah, for him is. to so's Rever, him and Dave Revs to be right next to Michael Reinsdorf, I'm sure he would have had a lot of questions <laughs> about whether or not Bryce Harper is gonna come yeah, join don't the we White all? Sox. There's so many questions with Bryce Harper. I, yeah, what what is gonna happen there? Well, look, man, I appreciate this because we are getting close to your nap time. <laughs> so, so I appreciate you you coming down here to to the studio at DePaul, and uh, you didn't you didn't shake when you walked in. Notre Dame guy was well, pretty you, famous. Notre Dame guy coached here for a really long time. That's true. Won a whole bunch that's of games. True. Just wanted to make sure you didn't shudder or anything. You, you guys haven't inflicted enough uh, pain on us in recent years for me to do that. Facts. And you were talking big noise last year when you opened no, up that I owe, building. I owe you dinner. You do. This this counts. You give give me this platform which I greatly appreciate to share with you. We'll call it even. Cuz you were talking big noise when that Wintrust Arena opened up and it was setting up nicely for you to take care of my Irish. And for you those think, of you who I don't think remember, that they'd win. <laughs> you thought it'd the be line was nine and a half. I was like, well, yeah, it was maybe. Not, it was not competitive. It was not competitive at all. It was a, but it's a good recruiting class coming in for you guys. Yeah. I'm just trying to throw you a bone. It's all good. <laughs> I've I've come to accept the fact that maybe it's just not going to be. I think that it's me. I and what's great? Oh, you got to put us on yourself. Here's Jordan. When I was an undergrad, is exactly the moment when the decline <laughs> the collapse started. There's some flash in the pan years, like 2004. Sure, Sammy Mejia years. Absolutely. Ray Meyer retires. Joey takes over. I'm I'm an undergrad, and like that's when it begins. I walk away for a while. Dave takes him to the tournament. I start doing games. They start getting beat by fifty points. So luckily this year, yeah. I'm not doing it's games. Your turn to start crying on this podcast, I, man. <laughs> it, I will trust me. So I'm not doing games this year. Wow, no games. I didn't know that unless there is some sort of like emergency. I'm not doing any games this year because I, you know, I got this and the TV You're thing. You're busy, man. You're busy. By the stuff. way, watching you with the Bears is fantastic. Thank you. And I like the stuff that you guys are doing with the behind the scenes stuff. That's a great team, man. Uh, we have a good time. It's a good time to be doing the Bears too, my friend. Yeah, it's it's fun. Like them being at this point, when we're recording. They're five and three. It's exciting, and I love talking about teams that people care about. And you don't have to manufacture a topic. People are genuinely interested in what's going on with the Bears, and they're going to be for a while. So that's very exciting. And I got I got three guys that are 
<laughs> I mean, big personalities. Alex and Lance and Matt, and, and they're kind of known names. I think <laughs> you got well, huge names, brother. Like well, that's a great part I mean, of it too. Lance is a borderline Hall of Famer. Alex is fourth in sacks and Bears. They're, b- they're Bears Hall of Famers without question. And and Matt Forte is is one of the most complete running backs to ever come through Hallis Hall. And he's great on power too. He he does. You know what? I don't know how. I, I would never say it to him because like when people say how's the air up there to me, he's got to get that all the he time. He does. He laughs at it. He he thinks it's pretty funny. Oh, but yeah. he he has a. I get Charles Barkley. Like he gets the really? calf and pa- bro, don't, Tyler or, or Tyler Perry. Oh, uh, the Tyler Perry with, thing with I a, see a little bit. A little bloated Tyler Perry look. I got both of those going. I see, but the Barkley thing, I, I don't think get that's just because you're tall. Yeah, that's racist, right? And like, you're that's way just two taller brothers. than him, too. That, yeah, he's six. Like, people forget. Chuck is like 6'5", six 6'4", six maybe. But I mean, when you're called a round mound, <laughs> well, that's why I'm back in the gym. You got to get, that's gotta why get I'm those back pounds in the, off. Of course, that's why I'm back in the gym. But I'm not leaving without saying, bro, like what you do um, and how hard you work. And the the spaces that the I, I guess the desire for you to work, people want to pull you to work for them across the board here in Chicago speaks to the brand and what you do, man. And I'll say as a guy who's now been in Chicago for about 15 years to be able to listen to you and to become close with you and now to be able to share this podcast. Uh, it's really cool, man. And I know you take it as an honor to be able to have your voice heard out here and to see how well received you are. Um, it's really cool to start to work alongside each other. And, and in my career, if I could leave this thing and say, hey, I was kind of like Lawrence Holmes to win, my friend. And I take every day when I get out there, I look at and look at and listen to guys like you and what you do. And it's inspiring, man. So I, I do want to say for you to give me um, some time here to kind of tell my story. I'll forgive you for making me cry a little bit. Um, but you are Chicago sports, man. You've carved out a, a great you. niche here. And I look at certain people across the board and there's some people that you mentioned that are synonymous with Chicago media and have been here for a little over a decade. And, and you're one of those guys. So I hope to get there. I hope they'll embrace me like that, man. I'm continuing to try. So I appreciate you giving me this platform to share my story a little bit. I've apparently wandered into OG land now. Yeah, you kind of did, but you're not graying though. Well, I am. If I grew the beard out, you could see it a little bit. And I don't really have a lot of hair left. But I've. it's so funny to me because I'll make references now, and young Tony is like, I don't know what you're talking about, old man. Yeah, you're there. You're there. <laughs> and, and, and so the – But you're embracing it, though, right? I'm trying to. I, I as my, my big line now is is I'm Jules from Pulp Fiction. I'm trying to be the <laughs> shepherd. I'm I'm out here trying so hard. Those biblical verses, bro. Ezekiel twenty five seventeen, man. <laughs> I, I can break it on down for you. But let's be honest, you're not that old yet, though, bro. You're you're still young and you're still a young man, but older in this game. You've been doing it for a long time. I've been at the score for twenty years. That's wild, bro. It's really weird. That's wild. It's strange to say 20 that. Twenty years. Twenty years. I started in May of nineteen ninety eight. Wow. As a producer, and then an overnight producer. Well. <laughs> Although I will say, <laughs> after doing a morning show, the overnight schedule is better than the morning show schedule. As weird as that sounds, you li- you like nights. I I mean I'm a morning person. Yeah, but the time that you wake up isn't a real time, bro. I'm driving in and I'm seeing people stumble out of the mid on Halstead because our studio's over there. I'm thinking. That was me before I took this job. <laughs> and I'm actually kind of happy that that's no longer me. So it's keep me off the streets. This is The jam's done me a service there, and I, I do love that. I do love 
uh, doing that show. And I'm going to go ahead and plug it here. 6 to 8 a.m. everybody, weekday mornings. Check us out, man. We're fun. We're different. It, it depends on what you're looking for. But we are definitely not your typical morning show. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And that's no disrespect to the WGNs and the ABC7s and the Foxes. They do a great job. But we're not them. We're, we're a very different off-the-beaten-path approach. And you might find it refreshing. So I'm definitely trying to get my Ryan Chivarini on, my Michael Strahan on. Um, Ryan, who, by the way, he does a great job, and he's become a close friend too. He's a good man. Um, great dude. Uh, uncomfortably handsome. I, I think he takes his hair off, puts it on the nightstand before he goes to bed and puts it back on. People forget that dude used to lay people out. No. A pretty boy that could hit. That's dangerous. He used to lay people out. I, I, that guy was a Division One starting Let's safety. Let's not give him a – he gets too much love in this city already. We and now, now so he's we a country music Mon- star. Yeah, now he's, he's always texting me to go listen to him play the guitar. Ryan, I know. I get it, man. You're talented. You're talented. You're good looking. Yeah, you like, get that cut t- it out, bro. You get to sit next to Val every day. Like, yeah. A beautiful woman and who's talented in her own right. Yeah. Ryan, life is good for you, man. You talk about getting love in the city. Ryan gets big love in the city. Mm-hmm. South side, too. Yeah, bro, he gets that black love in the yes, city. Yes, he does. He the really, sisters love Ryan. He really does. And it's I didn't amazing. Know, I didn't know that until I was out with him on the south side once. I said, oh, you got it like that. Mm-hmm. Ryan got that swirl love. He, right? he, he getting that he's swirl love. He's got that love. crossover appeal. No doubt about yeah, he's it. Doing, he's doing it. That, they, they do a good job. We're trying to be like, I'm not going to lie. We're trying to be like Windy City Live. The success that they've had and. Uh, the chemistry that those two share, that that's something to be appreciated. I'm really proud of Val, too, because she came from kind of like this straight news background, and you're just seeing her just blossom, just, you know, being young Oprah up here. Well, and, just, that's, and that's also, I'll say this, and I know I'm rambling now, but that's inspiring to me, Lawrence, because she's not from Chicago, and this is the most provincial place in the mm-hmm. world, bro. Like, if you're not from here, you better earn the respect. Val has done that, and me being somebody who's lived here now for 15 years but not born and raised – I aspire to that kind of thing, and I'm trying to prove myself. I know that you got to earn it here in Chicago, and these listeners deserve the hard work that goes into it. And much like a Val, Tom Waddle's a great example, although, sure. he, although he did put on the Bears uniform, which gives him added credibility. But he's another guy who's not from here but has earned it, and I'm trying to do that every day. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, man, thank you. I, I, I think we covered it all, brother. I think we're done because I don't want to make you cry. I don't want you to make me cry because you keep saying nice things. We're, we're done. It's, love you, man. Love you too, man. If you didn't get something out of that, I would be shocked. It was to be in the room with Jordan while we're talking about this. I don't want to say it was difficult because it wasn't. It was really like two friends just talking about something. Um, he he blessed me with, I put the video out on Twitter yesterday. And he said that the conversation was therapeutic. And I, I'm appreciative of that. I'm appreciative that he felt comfortable enough to give, to share. And I wasn't kidding when I said I felt like the conversation that we had might end up helping someone. And you know how I know that is because of conversations that I've had in previous episodes, whether it was Sierra Santos talking about depression or Kelly Kroll talking about faith, John Weideman talking about faith, Barry Rosner talking about parenting that there have been people who have reached out to me in the industry and out of the industry that have said that hearing some of those conversations have been helpful, which is great. 
which is really, really great. So I applaud Jordan for sharing as much as he shared and not being afraid to share it. You see a, a six foot eight dude sitting there trying to hold it together. It can be difficult. I'll just tell you, I, I mean, I shared this with my students this past week. We had our final shows at DePaul, and I get, like, stupid emotional at the end of a quarter. Like, really, it's, em- it's embarrassing, like, how emotional I get with my students because when they come in, they don't know what to expect. I'm pretty terrifying. I've now learned this from past students. I'm pretty terrifying in the first couple of weeks. They learn. They try They try so hard. And so whenever I, like, express that to them, I get choked up. I mean, it happens. It's like clockwork every quarter. Like, for the past, what, seven years since I started teaching? It's, it's like clockwork. Like, they finish their final show that they do. And... I'm so impressed. I'll give you, I'll tell you what I told them. So we had 48 minutes of content that they produced. So it was eight shows that were six minutes long. And one of my biggest things is, is I'm a stickler about time. So they're penalized for if it's six minutes in one second, if it's five minutes in 59 seconds, they get penalized for that. So we did 48 minutes of content. My entire class was a total of one second off. So I'm like going crazy in the booth when they they nail the out cue, they get out on time. I'm screaming like Ric Flair, whoa! You know, like I'm going insane. And then like I sat there and I, I thought about it as they're all like, well, what happens now at the end of this thing? And I'm just like an emotional mess. As I'm explaining to them how when we first started the class, they couldn't talk for a minute. They were uncomfortable speaking for a minute. Like, they had no concept of how long a minute was. And now they're begging me for more time. That they've, they've refined their craft to a point where they have more things to say. And that is, oh, it's exactly what. It's their whole reason that you teach. It's to see people listen and get better. And I got a good group, man. This past class was really, really good. But I digress. Let me get to your emails. Oh, by the way, special shout out to David Haw. He is like one of the most ardent listeners of the podcast. He he will be like, hey, I was listening back to blah, 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 blah. And... I remember when he said blah 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 blah. <laughs> it's just I I guess he he goes for runs and he listens to the episode. So thanks to him. He, I guess he walked up to Kelly Kroll and asked her about what about her episode. So it's great. I appreciate. I got a chance to work with David doing the morning show. We had a really good time last Friday, but I wanted to thank him because he is always in the corner of this podcast. All right, let me get to your emails. Podcast at gmail.com. This from Charles. Lawrence, continue great work with the podcast, and you're right. 
I've gone back to some episodes like John Wideman and those people I didn't know I needed to know. And you make us DePaul people proud. Continue to rep the Blue Demons. I agree with Demetrius Ivory. That would be dope. Got to get that brother. Okay, I'll, I'll do my best. I respect the hell out of him for he can geek out and still be professional. Yeah, I feel like, Charles, I feel like Demetrius and I are very similar. Because we have that. I think he might be nicer, but we have that thing of serious plus goofy and geeky. Charles goes on to say, and can you talk to Dion Miller from ABC7? She just seems like she's on her game. Man, Dion is the best. I've had her and her husband, Ray, because I worked with Ray over at 120, just like Jordan. I've had them in studio, and Dion is just, she's a machine, man. Like, she works. She is she is boss level. So she's definitely on the list. Like, her and I have kind of been like, okay, at some point we should sit down. We just haven't figured out a time to do it. But, yes, that is absolutely and then Charles follows up, says, lastly, Stacey King and Neil Funk from the Bulls. I respect and enjoy their work. Can you get them on the podcast, too? I enjoy the hell out of your work. Keep it up. That's from Charles. Charles, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Stay- Neil right now would be great considering that he's kind of moved away from doing the show. I'm doing the show, doing games. And there's a bunch, man, if he retires, there's going to be a fight at the bat rack. For guys that want that job, there's so many Chicago broadcasters around the country that as soon as Neil says, I'm done, they are going to be like, I want that. I can handicap the race for you, but I don't want to leave anybody out. But there are going to be a lot of people. But yes, all the suggestions that you made are really good. This from Rahul, who says, Hey, LH, would love to have someone on the podcast who has the pulse of Chicago high school or college basketball scene to talk about why the best high school players in the city end up at every basketball powerhouse and not U of I, DePaul, Northwestern, et cetera, in the history of then of when that tide started to turn. Or any notable White Sox player from the 93-94 seasons because that team's often overlooked and was f- so fun to watch. Maybe maybe Kenny McReynolds would be a really good get. Honestly, you know who would be good and who's on the list? Cap. Cap used to do that stuff. And you heard Jordan in this episode talk about how much he, he likes and respects Cap. I was leaving the Cap interview. Like, I haven't asked Cap to be on the show because a friend of mine who I was going to lend the podcast to offered to interview cap. And so I'm still waiting for confirmation one way or the other on whether that's going to happen, but thanks. I appreciate you checking in. Let's see what else. This one from D who says, Johnny Knox, I love to hear what he's been up to the story of recovery. I feel like, he was overlooked by the NFL after a devastating injury. I was there the day that that Johnny got injured, and we thought he died. Like It was that scary of an injury. He's doing really well. He's coaching football. He looks great. I've run into him at a couple of events. I wouldn't mind talking with Johnny. That's a good call, too. I appreciate that. 
That's quality stuff. I appreciate you listening to this episode, too. I know it's running super long. But the interview I thought was strong, and because the interview was strong, I just wanted to let it ride. So maybe I should just shut up now, and and I should just be done with this episode. But thanks to you for listening to this episode, and I'll have some bear stuff this weekend. Big thanks to Jordan Cornette for being on this week, and I, I do hope that you got something to it. Congratulations to him and Shay Pepler. Shay's good people. I think maybe that's what I'll do next. Maybe I'll do the interview with Shay. See what she thinks about the whole wedding preparation stuff that's going on. Put that on the list. I don't know who I'm telling to put that on the list. I'm the guy who hosts the podcast. I'm also the guy that produces it. So I guess it's a mental note to me. Put it on the list, idiot. All right, have a great rest of your week. Thanks for listening to the House of L podcast. Please share it. Retweets are better than likes. I'm going to put that on a shirt. You know what? I think that's what's going on the House of L shirt. I think that's it. House of L emblem on the front. Retweets are better than likes on the back. Would you buy that shirt? Talk to you soon.